The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And the one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the 10 talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. So Jesus tells a story about a master who entrusts her money to three of her slaves and asks them to take care of it until she returns. This is a very wealthy master. Jesus says to the first slave, she gives five talents. Five talents is the equivalent of a hundred years of wages for the average laborer. To the second slave, slave, she leaves two talents, 
which would be 40 years worth of labor and wages. And to the third, she leaves one talent, which is 20 years labor, each according to his or her ability. The first two slaves somehow manage to double the master's money in investments, wheeling and dealing. It sounds impressive, except that with a big reward comes big risk. Sure, the master is happy in the story, but what if they had lost the gamble? What if they had lost and they wouldn't, maybe, maybe they would even have been put to death? It's the conundrum that's always faced by church volunteers. You know, do you risk the other members' donations by investing aggressively and maybe making more? Or do you put it into savings and CDs so that even though the interest might not keep up with the rate of inflation or the cost of living, at least, you know, you're not gonna be accused of losing anything. The third slave considers the really harsh reputation of the master apparently, and decides to take a conservative route. And so does not risk what does not belong to him. Remembering the golden rule, he does for his master what perhaps he would hope somebody would do for him, not that he's ever gonna have any money in his life to invest, because the banks aren't reliable in the first century, he buries the money in the ground in a secret place for safekeeping. And what's so bad about that? I mean, he doesn't run off with the money and buy a mansion in the tropics. That would have been tempting. He doesn't bet it in a double or nothing poker game. He doesn't invest it in the latest hot stock, you know, the one that's sure to make you a million next week. He doesn't even buy Apple or Amazon. He buries what is not his in the ground, safe and sound, where nobody's gonna steal it and nothing will happen to it. And his master may not get any interest on it, but she isn't gonna lose any value. Having been responsible and trustworthy, we might expect the master to show some gratitude for his efforts. But that's not what happens to the one talent slave. No, instead he is publicly reprimanded, ridiculed, humiliated, cast out in failure into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not only does he not get a bonus, he loses his job. It might be that he was too cautious, but there is also the issue of what he says. He opens his mouth. When the owner returns, he tells her, Master, I knew that you were harsh, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And so I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground here, have what is yours. It's a very unflattering thing to say to one's boss. Here, I did the minimum because you're a dishonest jerk and I'm afraid of you. He doesn't respect or trust his master. He sees the master as harsh and devious and dangerous. So it's not surprising that the master gets angry and rebukes him. Oh, so you know I'm a jerk, do you? Okay, then that's one more reason to have done something productive with my assets. The least you could have done is put them with the bankers and I'd have had a little interest in addition to my uh, what you're returning. 
The fact, though, that the one talent slave doesn't like the boss does not prove that the boss is truly evil. It's kind of a, an ugly description of the master. It's caused scholars to debate whether the master should be interpreted as God or even as Jesus, but it seems to me that that's kind of how Jesus is using the story, whether we like it or not, to challenge his listeners, to motivate his disciples to continue to his ministry and to live the kingdom vision in the span of time until he returns. It's less about the character of the master and more about the faith and the motivation and the willingness of the servants to make bold moves to grow the kingdom of God. Do we see God as harsh? and judgmental and full of wrath and ready to punish us if we fail? Or do we see God as generous and trusting and lavish with praise and ready to entrust us with even more? Are we prone to play it safe, to be conservative and cautious to the point that there is no increase or are we using what we have been entrusted with to do as much good as possible? We've talked about installing cameras and equipment and new lighting in the sanctuary. So all the stuff that we would need to be able to stream our services live from the sanctuary and for the people to be able to tune in on YouTube or Zoom or wherever, with the same quality you get when you turn on your television and maybe watch the news. It's gonna cost $20,000. We already have 13,000, but we're afraid to spend the money. And with good reason, you know, is it the right thing to do? Who knows? <laughs> if we do all this and we spend the money and it isn't then the be all and end all that we had imagined and the money turns out to be wasted you know, what will people say about us? Will we be accused of taking risks with the church's funds? Will we be accused of being frivolous with the money that's been entrusted to us for the kingdom of heaven? What if people are camera shy, we ask ourselves? What if we can't get lectors or assisting ministers because they don't want to be on television? What if we can't get volunteers to run it? What if we, what if it turns out we don't even need it after COVID. But then we also ask ourselves, well, how might this be an opportunity to expand what we're doing? How could this maybe serve our ministry? How might this investment equip us to broaden our reach to people far and wide, maybe people all across the US or even around the world? How might this help us minister to our own members? who can't drive or who might be in the hospital or in rehab? Or what about on those days when there's ice and snow on the ground and instead of canceling church or just having six people present, we could actually still share worship with all of you who cannot be present in person. Could COVID be an opportunity to do something new, to learn some new skills, to do something big in service of the gospel, to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ in new and bold ways. 
And here's the problem, we can't answer those questions beyond a shadow of doubt. It's anyone's best guess how it would turn out after having made that investment. We can't know for certain that putting $20,000 into equipment and lighting is the best plan for the kingdom of God. But I suspect after hearing this story that Jesus would applaud us for trusting, for doing, for at least not being afraid. In another story about other servants, a crooked manager is praised because he cancels the debts owed to his master and therefore wins friends and goodwill for both the master and himself. God entrusts us with all the assets of the church, with all the hard-earned money that people give week after week. And Jesus is not asking us, it seems, to play it safe or to keep it safe or to protect it. He's asking us to put the master's assets to work, to use what has been entrusted to us, even if we risk losing it, so long as we're using it to make friends for God. Without risk, there's no gain. Jesus has been risking his own life. He's been risking his life for the kingdom of heaven, and he will soon be put to death and buried like the talent because of fear and mistrust. If he'd wanted to play it safe, he could have remained silent in the face of greed and corruption and the abuse of power. If he'd wanted to play it safe, when he saw that he was offending the bigwigs, he could have just taken it all back and apologized. If he'd wanted to play it safe, he could have kicked back in a hammock on the Sabbath and taken a nap instead of performing miracles of healing. If he'd wanted to play it safe, he would have stayed home and married a nice Jewish girl and taken up the family business, maybe as a carpenter like Joseph, instead of becoming an itinerant preacher on a mission to gather the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and in the process, some Canaanites and even Samaritans. The God we meet in Jesus is not a jerk, but kind and gracious. The God we meet in Jesus trusts us with all the abundance of the kingdom of heaven. The God we meet in Jesus is inviting us to be full participants in spreading God's mercy and love. Jesus tells a story about two servants who take the abundance entrusted to them, a hundred years worth of wages, 40 years worth of wages, and returns to the master twice as much. But the third servant was afraid. Fear is the enemy here. Fear causes us to do less than we are able. Faith must trump fear, which is why every message to us from God starts with peace to you, be not afraid. Discipleship has never been about playing it safe. Discipleship has never been about protecting the kingdom of heaven. The master has given us according to our ability but the word translated as ability is actually dynamis, which means power. The master has given us power. We have enormous 
power, which God is pouring into us all the time. The power of relationship, the power of forgiveness, the power of love, the power of reconciliation, the power of sharing with others, like feeding the 5,000, the power of solidarity and accompaniment, the power of trust in the Lord our God. Jesus didn't waste the power he was given. He spent his life and ministry proclaiming God's kingdom in word and deed, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, offering forgiveness, and welcoming all who recognize their need into the loving embrace of God. He is killed and buried like the talent because of fear and misunderstanding of who he is and who God is. That God raises him up on the third day in a death-defying display of love. Well done, good and faithful servant. Through him, we too enter into the joy of our master. For we are destined not for destruction, but with life and joy with him forever. Amen.